0: When the moon hits your eye Like a big pizza pie That's amore When the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's amore Dale Big Smith Australia stand up out of your chairs Dale Big Smith Waits
1: for the judges And this multi-millionaire Another recovery from the youngster. Oh, she's taken gold. She has taken gold. The world champion in parallel giant slalom
2: snowboarding is in gold medal position here. Can you believe it?
0: It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for a very, very, very special Episode, An episode that has never been done before in the world of Olympic podcasting, we think. Uh, Well. Well, a groundbreaking day for all Olympic podcasts as we not only bring you our show, but we bring you another show because we are here today to do a crossover event. This is the ER and Third Watch event like they did back with the CSIs and they would combine them all. NCIS and JAG, all the shows that crossed over. We're doing it with another Olympics podcast because we are going to be very shortly joined by two hosts of another podcast, which is better than ours, let's be honest. And we're going to learn a little bit about them and Olympics. I'll get into that in a minute. I'll introduce this man. Colin is here again. Uh, oh, I am. Canada's number one crossover expert. You can also hear him on Triple Oz 7 and Your Oz. <laughs> Glasses and Double Oz 8. I I joke, you actually have appeared on a lot of other shows. I never get invites, but you apparently do. So uh, welcome, Colin.
3: Thank you. And yeah, you have never heard this episode ever before, unless you listened to the Keep the Flame Alive one first. because uh, <laughs> it's basically the same episode.
0: I think Ours comes out first, doesn't it? I don't know. Um, who knows? But Depends How long How long
3: is this intro going to take to record?
0: <sighs> I don't know. It's like 12, 17 a.m. We're doing this about 12 hours after we recorded the episode, uh, which is a bit unusual. But anyway, behind the scenes, Keep the Flame Alive, if people aren't familiar, is a, is a great Olympics podcast that is out there that is not ours. Uh, it is a different show. Uh, for those of you who may be uh, wondering what on earth we are talking about. It is hosted by Jill Jarris and Alison Brown, both from the USA. And they, similar to us, they obviously cover the Olympics, but speak to a lot of people, similar to us. But they get better guests, Colin. They get Dick Pound on the show. I mean, God, we yeah. haven't gotten anyone that big. Oh, Tessa Virtue, Penny Alexiak. What do you fucking do? Dick fucking Pound. Apollo yeah, oh no. VP of the IOC. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ. This is amazing, but they are an incredible show, and this is sort of just a, a loose idea. We, we, you know, we talk, uh, us Olympic podcasts, we associate with each other, and we've often had conversations between the shows and sort of social media, things along those lines, and thought, well, why not a crossover event? This sounds like something quite fun, could be interesting, and here we are, Colin, today doing a crossover event.
3: Yeah, and uh it's interesting because I think I don't know how long we'd been running our show before uh we actually discovered Keep the Flame alive. I remember uh, when we uh started up our, our social media uh, many years into our show, and they were one of the first ones to follow us. Um, you know, it's a it's a show one of the Olympics podcasts that I like to listen to. Uh we were nominated for an award next to them uh last year for an award that's now been cancelled. Thank won, you very much. By
0: the way, just saying.
3: We, we won, but they're the better show. We're <laughs> we, the, we the better show.
0: <laughs> but we're the biggest show by bragging subtly. We don't brag, and we just had to get this over and done with. They're great. They're, they're better than us. Don't worry about it. They're
3: yeah, great. exactly. And uh, I I I like any time where you can have another show similar to yours, but it's run by fans. It's not run by the BBC or NBC yeah. or those ones who just. Bought oh, their we've got
0: money. We can interview the big yeah. people. Oh, hello, Usain Bolt. Oh, have some money. We're the real shows.
3: Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, th- and this was fun. You know, you'd kind of mentioned uh, the idea about doing this. And even you said beforehand, you know, like you'd only done one crossover episode on any of the podcasts before. But uh, um, just being able to go back and forth, it's basically just like a fun conversation about, you know, oh, how did you get into the Olympics? How did you get into the Olympics? And, uh, you know, finding out about each other's shows and all that and then giving some good plugs on the end, too.
0: Which I also might say to so the people from potentially Keep the Flame Alive who have come over and listen to our version here because this is maybe a bit of a director's cut version of our chat because uh, we, we set out and we were like, okay, let's keep this to an hour because um, they generally only have one-hour episodes. We went a little bit longer. Funnily that, isn't it, with us being on a show that it goes for longer than we plan. So they've condensed theirs a little bit. They've, they've chopped theirs down to fit their schedule, which is fine. That's, that's what they do. Uh, we're not here to, to say what they should and shouldn't do. So if you're I'm, if you're right here on off the podium and maybe you're a Keep the Flame Alive fan, hello, welcome to the Shitter Show. Yeah, we've got a trophy. We won. subtle brag again, but they're better, right? Like, how many? Well, else? Oh, yeah. I,
3: want, I, want to add, I want to add a little bit in here. I mean, we have a trophy because Ben made a trophy for himself.
1: Well, we because we didn't get one. Oh,
0: he's a picture. He can put on Instagram. I wanted a trophy. And- so I paid for one. And I offered them to get one too, but they didn't want to buy one, cheap bastards. And their logic
3: is you know, we're going to edit out the stuff that our listeners have already heard before of us telling stories, which because B- this is Ben Waterworth, The Vanity Project, Ben wants you to hear all the stories
0: all over again. I so just, well, It's all about me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's what I spent like half of this intro bragging that we won an award. and Welcome <laughs> our special <laughs> guest that we beat. I'm that type of guy, apparently. Um, it seriously is a great chat. And if you are listening to us, from keep the flame alive and you come over to listen to the bonus bits then uh, you will be able to hear both uh, jill and allison talk about their history that maybe you uh, you know forgot or maybe you didn't listen to the episodes where they explain it so a lot to cover here it's fun it's exciting i'm going to shut up for once and we're going to throw to our special episode our crossover event with keep the flame alive
2: Ben and Colin, thank you so much for joining us.
0: It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, having us and doing this. It's so, so exciting to be able to uh, bring these shows together and keep the flame podium alive. I'm trying to work. <laughs> we should have worked uh, about uh, that. Off,
1: off the flame podium?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We can come up with something by the end of this, can't we?
1: Keep the flame off the podium?
0: Hey. hey there you go.
2: That sounds also <laughs>
0: entertaining and also educational. I like that. <laughs>
2: so it's fun being like compatriots in the whole olympics and paralympics podcasting space what and and it's fun because you have a different perspective being australian and canadian versus our rara american perspective usa um, <laughs> uh, you've got that down very well yeah <laughs> and, i like to suck uh, up what can i say <laughs> <laughs> what got you involved what what made you say hey let's do it let's do a podcast
0: i'm gonna go have colin colin can answer these. he's good at these. yeah um yeah
3: actually i mean, we ben and i do several podcasts and um i think at the time before rio we were uh, doing a podcast for survivor a uh, great american show go usa Um. Uh, but uh we had just sort of talked about you know oh maybe we could do something for the olympics and i remember ben and i throwing ideas around and it was sort of like maybe we'll just do it just on our survivor podcast you know just maybe bring some players on who'd been in the olympics and then like well why don't we just make it our own show and uh, we recruited one of our other co-hosts from the survivor podcast uh who we knew was a big olympic fan and originally it just started like we're just going to do 16 episodes just for the real olympics we'll start our own name for it our own uh our own feed and then by the end of that it was just this this was fun. Uh, see you again in two years, guys. <laughs> uh, but uh, we started talking about, you know, oh, what if we actually just talk to some of these athletes? And um, I think the early days of our podcast were interesting because we covered all the Olympics, and I think we got more listeners than we did on any of our other shows during those 16 days. And that uh, was probably a couple of months before we started, you know, getting some athletes on. And the episodes are very sporadic at that point. But uh, just it was just like a very slow build. It just sort of built to now we got, you know, uh, five athletes and now we've had 10 and now let's see if we can get one every month. And now let's see if we can get one every two weeks. And now it's to the point where Ben's done enough interviews to bank us for a couple months and we can just sit back and relax again. It
0: helps when you had like no life for a period there. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, yeah. it was entertaining and fun. And I think we just, it was just a great time during Rio and it was very sporadic at the beginning. And I think Colin had sort of tracked down a couple of people. I had tracked down a couple of people and I had interviewed, uh, you know, several Olympians back, during my radio career. So it was sort of something that had always been that sort of side, like, oh, I'm interviewing an Olympian today. But it just kind of took off and we continued it for Pyeongchang and then continued it for Tokyo and then Beijing. And then, yeah, as Colin sort of mentioned, just in between we interviewed athletes and that's kind of the bread and butter now of what we do. Although we get, Colin said, the large chunk of listeners when it comes to the actual Olympics and those daily ones. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you guys probably have the, the same thing, right? Like during an Olympics, it's like, whoa, listeners, this is nice. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, well yeah exactly because people are looking for that 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 daily content or they that's when they care about the games um how you've got some other like special episodes interspersed with the interviews and and ben you do most of the interviewing
0: yes so that-, that that i think mainly just comes down to availability, a lot of it, no um, life, no no life. <laughs> you know, single guy, Australia, other side of the world. What am I going to do on a Tuesday? Yeah, no, it's sort of, I do the majority of them, but Colin will generally join in. Jared's lazy. Jared is just like, I don't no, he's never <laughs> I, just, I just show up when I, I, that's why he's not here today, let's be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we, that's sort of how to do it. And the other sort of episodes, I think it just comes down to, you know, all jokes aside about Jared. Jared's fantastic. Um, You know, we like to sort of have it so we can have a bit of a break from the interviews and and because we love covering the Olympics every day during an actual games, we want to kind of use that passion and, and fun nature that we like to bring to the show to other aspects of it. So initially we just sort of did a, you know, it's a year to go until a certain Olympics. Let's come in with some news and everything along those lines. We expanded that to some rankings episodes because sort of through Colin and our other shows, we, we love to do rankings. And then sort of just some other ideas kind of, flow from there and and we added sort of through that too we were like oh commonwealth games you know i'm sure all your uh, listeners in america are very familiar with the commonwealth games but (laughs) it's sort of big deal in australia and canada so we sort of covered back in in on the gold coast in 2018 and then birmingham last year then we're like oh cool the world cup this is technically the biggest event bigger than the olympics so let's give this a crack and so then we look at say maybe a pan am games this year and kind of just add a little bit of outside of the olympics of big sporting events, which I, I don't know, like, do, do you guys sort of like to do that as well? Do you kind of like, you know, dip your toes in some of these other bigger sporting events outside of the Olympics?
1: You know, we've gone back and forth on it. We did um, do minimal coverage of the World Games. We did a couple shows of that because they do have an IOC connection. Yeah. And, of course, we've gone pretty strongly into the Paralympics. Yes. Uh, we're doing a lot of coverage of that. But we've talked a lot about... You know, do we cover the regional games, the Commonwealth, the Pan Am? Because we certainly watch them. And a lot of our listeners. Commonwealth
0: as well, too. We did watch the Commonwealth. They were a
1: big hit. We had a lot of discussion on our Facebook page about the Commonwealth games and how much we could see and what could we see and what was happening. But we made the decision to not cover the regional games because then we felt like we were getting we were spreading ourselves too thin and we're saying, okay, there is so much material with the Olympics and the Paralympics. If we just start covering all of the multi-sport games, we are two people mm. who can't possibly cover all of it well. So let's leave that to, to elsewhere. And yet, of course, if some of our, what we call our Shukvistanis, the people that we've interviewed are competing, we will always mention uh, who's competing, when they're competing, how they did, so yeah, the, the Commonwealth this game uh, this year was or last year, we had a great time <laughs> on gl- the state side watching glad. it. I mean, there was a there was a bull yes. in the arena. <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the Birmingham bull. bull. That's like the Shout greatest out. thing we've ever <laughs> seen. Yes.
1: How good Come was it? Come on. <laughs> that was fantastic. And now it's got a home. So oh. yes, it was it was a hit here. And Ozzy Osbourne and
0: Duran Duran, like I mean, Birmingham put it on.
1: We are of a certain age where when Duran Duran showed up. Our, our hearts got a little <laughs> fluttery.
3: What about what, what, what Dexy though? Uh, Was it the same reaction?
1: Yeah. Not quite, but I still know the words to that song. I knew all the words. They dropped Midnight Runners and now
0: we're just Dexie because, uh, I don't know, inflation, it costs too much to have three, le- three words in their name.
1: I have no idea. Did he fire the Midnight Wonders? <laughs> we, we talked know.
0: about that. they are a certain it's... age now where midnight is too late for them. So now they're just uh, Dexies. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you mentioned, like, spreading cells too thin, too, because I know one of the things that you do on your show, you you branch out you know, beyond just, I mean, you have interviews, too. I remember I think the, the first time I discovered your podcast was uh, because you you interviewed who I think was the first athlete we interviewed, interviewed on our show, which was Evan Dunphy. Uh and besides the athlete interviews, you know, you got books that you cover and movies and stuff like that. I mean, do, do you do you have like a certain criteria where it's like, okay, we want to do this many episodes per month and one will be checking this box, one will be checking that box?
2: Yeah. So we uh have weekly episodes. We always drop sometime on Thursday, sometimes it's early Friday morning. But it's it, so once a week, and that's going to be like a regular show, whether it be an interview or four times a year, we have book club, four times a year, we have movie club. When we need vacations, we put together uh, what we call lightning rounds, which are, uh, we ask all of our interviewees the same five questions, and then we put those together in a, a shorter episode for a holiday uh, so that we still have new content, but it's not it, it's something that you can listen to quickly while you're doing holiday type stuff. That's cool. And then uh, during the games, it's daily.
0: Nice. So you're our rivals. So, and then... Come on. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How long are well, your episodes? And, what do we need to and, do? <laughs> uh,
2: well, we try we try to keep them around an hour. Sometimes it depends we're on Colin, who we're fine. interview <laughs> uh, who we interview. Uh, sometimes it's a little longer. Sometimes it's a little shorter. Um, we also have on every episode we have a little history segment. So every year we choose a games to follow and tell stories of the history that you may not remember or you thought you remembered. Uh, this year, you we were doing- too young for.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you done Antwerp yet? Have you done Antwerp?
2: No, no. Right. We let the listener, the, our listeners decide what games we're going to do. And we always. We rotate between summer and winter, and then we uh, pick a game. They, they get to choose from a, a short list of like three to five based on if it's a major anniversary of the games, because then there's usually something about it. So this year is the 35th anniversary of Seoul 1988. Mm. So that is our games of the year. And then, yeah, like Allison said, we have news from Shuklastan and then we look at any kind of future games news as well.
0: Can I just ask on that, Shukvistan? I'm glad you keep saying it because I was gonna, I was worried about my pronouncement Yes, because if you listen to any of our shows, <laughs> I am the worst at pronouncing anything. Um <laughs>
1: I, I love like. Hi, Ben. I'm, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us, if you listen If you listen to the daily episodes, especially from Beijing, when it's so many Eastern European names, yep. Jill is doing those names.
0: Yeah. Colin, can you take note of that? You and Jared during Olympics, rather than every day where I'm like, oh, these were the medalists overnight. And this person from Uzbekistan did well. So then we're just going to say yeah. that. But I mean, I, I'm sure your listeners obviously know the story about this. And obviously, I've read a little bit on, on your website and your social media. But, Tell us the idea behind this because this is kind of like a, a unique thing, sort of creating a little, I guess, country to kind of attach to your show.
1: Well, it started out um, originally our show was called Olympic Fever and we had to change the name uh, for various
0: reasons. Did you get the, the, the nice little email from a certain, uh, <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Been there before with other
0: shows. That's always fun.
1: (laughs) Yes. So we had a little segment on there that we called Tofu, which was Team Olympic Fever Update. And just to let people know what our former guests uh, were doing, since so many of them were still competing. And so then when we changed the name, we're like TK, you know, Team Keep the Flame Alive. The letters really didn't form anything. And then Jill and I were looking at it. And she said, well, if you add Stan to it, it sounds like a former Soviet Republic. <laughs> and then we sort of played with it a little bit. And then it just snowballed into, well, how do we pronounce this? And we had uh, Jason Bryant, who's a, um, why did? Wrestling announcer. Thank you. Wrestling announcer, of sport just went out of my head and deals with many, many, Eastern European names, he said, oh, I would pronounce this Shukflistan based on this other name. And so then we just, we just went with it. And now we have a flag and we have a flower and an animal and people get a kick out of it. We had pins for Beijing, just like the, the pins you make for a country. We had Shukflistan pins and people who did not speak English would come up, show us pictures of somebody else's pin and say, you have one. (laughs) So it became, it became a thing. They had no idea what it was. They didn't care. And it's, it's just a lot of fun to to have this name for the community because our listeners are also Shukvistan citizens. And (laughs) it just, I think it's a great way to, to, to have the community involved.
0: That is very fun. And, And so did you both go to Beijing? Was that just you, Jill, that went?
2: I went for the Olympics and Paralympics and then Allison came for the Paralympics.
0: Nice. And it's always interesting, I guess, with those pins. Like how many did you have to get produced? Because I know many, many years ago in another life, we on another radio show, we had done a joke bid for Hobart to host the Olympics. And long story short, we had pins made up for that. And to this day, I still get people messaging, but we I think we had a hundred made. Um, And I literally saw one selling on eBay for like $200 a month. It's ridiculous. Whole other episode. But like that taught me a lesson. A hundred is not enough. So I can imagine that at an Olympics when everybody is just trading left, right and center, did you have to get a certain amount made to make sure you kept up with demand?
2: What did we get? A couple hundred made of each? We had a regular media pin that was our logo And then we had, um, or a a version of our logo. And then we had the the Shukla Stan pin. So we had a country pin as well. And we had maybe a couple hundred of each. I don't, it it was different. I I, I want to say we we had like 500 all together. Wow. Right. Because it was, it was a little different with having the closed loop. -hmm. And not having fans there, we still had a lot of people wanting pins. We had tons and tons of volunteers, and we gave some to athletes, and we did some other trading with media. But we didn't. It it wasn't the same as the regular setup.
0: Wow, Colin, I'm getting ideas off this uh, episode. Just saying, uh, Paris next year. I don't want (laughs) to. Don't know about creating a country, but we could. We could we need a mascot. Oh, I think can... for off the podium, Jared
3: is the mascot. Jared is the mascot. Jared, that's
0: a good shout. I like that little Jared and a plush mascot. Maybe he'll actually have time to hang out with me. Uh, with that you... after that, maybe he's not always busy. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you,
3: I... you know what you know what I I wonder about is um we're a lot further apart than than you two are. I mean, typically you are our hour distance, but when Jill, you're in Beijing, Allison, you're back stateside. What were those recordings like daily? Because I remember all the Olympics we cover, never been lucky enough to be in the same time zone, even though I think Ben was supposed to be in my time zone for one of them. So it always ends up being I'm recording at five in the morning. It's <laughs> 10 o'clock at night for them. None of us are happy to be up at that hour. I mean, but the Olympics. did anybody go insane during <laughs> that time?
1: We were just about 12 hours apart. Wow. So it was, you know, Jill would finish her day and uh go back to the media center and then i would start my day but i say start my day having stayed up uh most of the night watching things so we could mm. talk about them um so i was here in the states but living very much on china time and jill just wasn't sleeping <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you caught up yet jill it's been like a bit over
3: uh, it's,
2: now uh, you know i've i've starting to get to catch up
3: (laughs) does does that does that fanaticism of the olympics i mean it's got to help because i know during um uh was it beijing or tokyo it was during beijing i got covid like the day of the opening ceremonies and also i had work stuff going on during the entire olympics where i was supposed to be on vacation for two weeks but they're like no we can't have your vacation next so it ended up being like a day-to-day thing where my boss would be like I don't think we need you tomorrow. Do you want to take the day off? And then I would be sick with COVID, but staying up till three in the morning. That, that That's one of the things that has to help a little bit, because you're you're going to be staying up at all hours, like you said, Allison, anyways, just watching everything.
1: So Tokyo was actually, I remembered this this morning when I was thinking about, you know, what what stories I wanted to tell, that I don't think we've ever even told on, the, on our show. So opening ceremonies of Tokyo, we're watching it we watched the opening ceremonies and then we go to record and i said to Jill Jill i'm not feeling well i'm having a lot of trouble but we're we're going to record the show and going to be okay midway through recording i said to her we have to stop and i went and i got sick and then came back and finished recording wow so it was just one of those you know probably 24 hour bug had a migraine it was just one of those crazy days and i remember getting off that recording and thinking i'm so glad we weren't live and <laughs> I, what is wrong with me that I just, you know, go to the bathroom, you know, vomit and then come back and finish the show. But that's the. It, it was like, that's what's going to get me through. Dedication. And I think that's yeah. the show very much got us through covid, the the yeah. pandemic mm-hmm. time and being able to work together and having something to look forward to and having that. So Yeah, I I don't know if there's an illness for this, (laughs) but clearly there is something that keeps you going.
0: I've always had, um, when an Olympics finishes, I think there is an illness then. I like to call it SALS, Severe Olympic Withdrawal Syndrome, because you're so attached during a 16-day period to an event that when it just ends, it's just it's so abrupt and it's so sad. I don't know, maybe, Jill, when you sort of were waiting in Beijing between... The Olympics and the Paralympics. If you had a sort of a bit of a downer on that Monday, because I remember when I worked at the Commonwealth Games in 2018, you know, Gold Coast is a buzz and alive, and you're at the train station, you're like, "Where are you going today?" And oh, there, oh, there's a Fijian netball team. Like, oh, there's an athlete from this sport. Like, it's just the whole thing is buzzing. And then Monday morning, you just go to the train station. They've put back in all the benches. The vending machines are there. Everyone's back in business suits. Everyone's back to, "I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to work. I'm grumpy." Like, it's just, it's that instant flick of a switch where it's like a city's alive and then it's just like oh, back to normal and you're like wow this feels really weird
2: I, I don't think I really had that because we were in the closed loop so the closed loop kind of kept going they did want to shut down in between the Olympics and Paralympics and then all of a sudden all these media people said uh, but we still have to stay here where are we going to go what are we going to do because they didn't let us do much of anything And so, uh, the day after, I think there was some recording, we, we, we talked with some people in different countries, uh, for some stuff and, and then eventually I had to move hotels. So that took a couple of days to deal with. And then I got like a weekend off
1: and, you know,
2: read books. I went to a different hotel for dinner, which, you know, that, that took like three hours round trip (laughs) and, and, uh. It just kind of tried to sleep until Allison came and it was time to, to prep again, really almost immediately.
0: I loved your updates during Beijing, your daily, was it your breakfast or your dinner? You'd always post your food. Oh, from... Yes. <laughs> because I, I've been to, um, in Malaysia and Thailand, and I know it's sort of that, that culture shock sometimes and you go to some of these countries where it's like, oh, this is what they eat for breakfast. And I used to love that mm-hmm. during, It was I'd go to Malaysia for the Grand Prix back in the day and yeah, every day you'd have these different breakfasts and it was so, it wasn't just cereal that we eat in Australia, like we're not a breakfast country, but it was just like, wow, they're having fried rice and noodles for breakfast. This is interesting. So it's kind of a bit of a fun thing with a country like that the breakfast i have isn't it
2: oh it was fabulous and um finally i am getting some more bow back into my life because (laughs) i had bow every day for six weeks oh it was delicious i had dragon fruit the other week and got that back in my life um but you you just tried to eat as much as you could in the morning because i didn't know when i was going to eat again really immediate immediate media center foods
0: you know Well, the media
2: center food was kind of cool because they had all these robot machines and some of the food was really good. Um, I didn't get to eat in the media center very much because there was a lot of travel involved getting to venues. So if the food at the venue was not all that great, not much to choose from, and if there was a line and the competition was going to start, you were just kind of stuck. So there was a lot of power bars in my life and a lot of (laughs) breakfast.
0: What was the favorite event you got to go to in Beijing
2: oh my gosh um let's see I loved big air and Mm. I'm sorry that the I, I only got to go to the men's final I couldn't get up early enough to go to the women's final But the big air venue was really, really cool. I I like that industrial kind of steampunky look and that's really what it looked like. It was kind of a shame because there was a really beautiful park right on the back of the venue that you couldn't go to, but you could see from a distance, you know, see, see behind a little wall. And, uh, that was that was really cool. The competition was really fun. The attitudes of freestyle skiers are really refreshing and it's a lot of fun to watch them. And I know during the Paralympics, one of my favorite, one of my best days there was seeing um, snowboard cross because I love snowboard cross and the announcers there were phenomenally fun.
0: Great. Wow. You, you're making it. I, I, I know you're uh, looking at Paris next year and I'm very much looking at Paris next year as well. So we might be able to do this in person, but I mean, it's just, I've never been to an Olympics. Colin's never been, well, Colin, Colin sort of nearly went to an Olympics. He nearly got to be in an opening ceremony of an Olympics. So, you know, he got the closest wow. out of oh. all of us, I think.
3: Oh. <laughs> so as well sort of, I mean the 88 year, the anniversary, the 88 Seoul Olympics um, that was the year that Taekwondo was a demonstration sport. And I was in Taekwondo at the time. And I guess our academy, which is like a national academy, was going to go there. um, And they were saying like, okay, anybody is allowed to come. uh, But, you know, obviously you have to have your parents' permission. I was seven years old, I think, at the time. So there was no way my parents were going to take me. Ultimately, it came down to is, well, we can't do this because we've got two other kids and your dad's got work and whatever. But I would have been able to be on the opening field and all that. And I definitely hold a grudge to this day for that but uh, d- Vancouver was even uh, more disappointing though because uh, I was off work for that entire winter and if it wasn't for the fact that I had plans for the spring that I needed money for I had I was like I'm going to go down there even if it's a day trip I want to fly out there in the morning see one event and come back just so I can go to the Olympics and just didn't have the money to do it but I mean just crush it. I mean have either of you outside of this just as fans been able to attend Atlanta anything
2: um, I went to Salt Lake city for two days. Oh, it, it kind of in the same thing. Well, I mean, Atlanta was at a bad time because I was in between jobs and had no money. Um, uh, Vancouver also at a time had no money. And, uh, <laughs> The running trencher.
3: So, if anybody wants to donate to either of our shows, <laughs> we will take it.
2: <laughs> um, but Salt Lake City, like two weeks beforehand, I heard on the radio, oh, we still got tickets. And I looked and they did have tickets. And that was a time where if you lived in the host country, it was a lot easier to buy tickets than going through the authorized ticket reseller. So I looked and there was biathlon tickets for like 20, $27 and went oh, we can go. And I had friends in Colorado. So I flew out to Salt Lake. They drove from Colorado. We slept in a car one night. And then the second night, we stayed at a Days Inn, which is kind of lower end for 500 bucks a night. Wow. And yeah, that's why we only, that's why we slept in the car one night. Yeah. Um, But we saw biathlon was fabulous. First time I'd ever really been exposed to it. Love the sport now. And then we got... Uh, somebody was selling some extra uh, short track tickets. Ooh. So we got to see Apollo Antonono skate.
0: Did, did you see Bradbury? Were you were you there when Bradbury won the gold for Australia? Were you there that night?
2: You know, I should look and see if I was Ooh. there that night. But I do remember Apollo Antonono.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I saw a Utah Jazz game in Salt Lake City, and I was more excited for the fact that that was the arena where Stephen Bradbury won Australia's first <laughs> ever winter gold. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, the Jazz. And I'm like, yeah, cool basketball. But do you know what happened here in 2002?
2: Speaking of, when is his movie coming out? Isn't there a movie being made? Yeah,
0: we had him on the show last year and he was sort of saying it's still kind of in development. So um, I reckon it'll be one of these ones that will just pop up out of nowhere. But um, no, I think it, it needs to happen because, I mean, who doesn't want to see that in a movie, right? Hey, we but need not, more movies for a movie club. Exactly. Exactly. We, we were going to do a, an Olympic movie month on on our TV uh, movie podcast. It just, it never kind of happened. So. Uh, I mean,
3: we did it before.
0: Um, oh, we did. For, was uh, it Pyeongchang? For Pyeongchang yeah. Because we did like Cool yeah. Runnings and, and Miracle. And I, Tonya, had just come out at that point um, as well. Which, I mean, uh, Alison, have you, you been Olympic experiences? Have you been outside of the Paralympics?
1: I have not. Uh, I was supposed to go with uh, Jill. Jill invited me. We were working together at the time. But unbeknownst to her, I was seven weeks pregnant and Uh, very sick. It seems to be a running theme for me. So I just had to politely (laughs) decline and not tell her why. Um, And it just had never come up. Lake Placid back in 1980 was within driving distance of where I grew up. But that wasn't what we did. You know, yeah. like even though it was four or five hours away, it just seemed very, very far. But that's the one that I wish I had been to because that's the one where I really fell in love with it. And just when we got to go to Lake Placid uh, at the beginning of the podcast, I was walking around like a little kid. It was probably embarrassing. But it's I just oh, this is where they skated. But that's oh, what you I do. This.
0: Like that's um. Yeah, I, I was, I'm showing my age here, um, I was 13 for Sydney and I remember when Sydney was announced and, it, you know, parents were like, yeah, absolutely, we're going to go to Sydney, we're going to go to Sydney and long story short, we didn't go to Sydney. Um, but I mean, the best thing about Sydney though, for Australia, they aligned all the school holidays for that two week period in September. So the entire country was, so basically my entire life as a 13 year old on school holidays was living, breathing everything Olympics. Um, but I'm going to obviously make sure that Brisbane happens no matter what. But I I mean, I, I'm in Sydney now. I'm 22 years late, 23 years late. So, you know, hey, I'm, I'm at least here. But I, it's, it's that fandom like out at where, you know, Homebush is in the Olympic area. Like I, I was there the other night to see a comedy show. And literally, when you get off the train, you're walking right next to the Olympic Stadium, and still, I'm just in awe. And then you actually walk under the cauldron. They've got it's called Kathy Freeman Park, and they've literally got the cauldron right there. And people are just walking past. Yeah, whatever. I've just been to going home, catch the train, and I'm standing underneath. these like, this is the cauldron, everyone. Do you not understand what this is? And all on the ground, they've got literally all um, little plaques for every gold medalist from the Paralympics and 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 uh, Olympics as well. And every time I go to an Olympic city, Julie, you, you mentioned Salt Lake. When I was there, I'm like, take me to the stadium, take me to here, take me to there. And I saw the cauldron there and it still amazes me that you have an opening ceremony in a university stadium, but go America. Um, and then when I was living in Victoria in in Canada and I'd go to Vancouver a lot, every time I'd go to Vancouver, go to see the cauldron, go to BC place, uh, Calgary, uh, you know, Montreal, yeah. my first visit to Montreal, I'm straight in the train. I'm transported back to the seventies because they've basically kept that almost like it's still 1976. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm such a fan. Even Melbourne, I go there all the time, but like the MCG, greatest sporting venue in the world, in my opinion, they've got like the big plaques and they've got a museum there to do with the Olympics. So I, yeah, every time I go to an Olympic city, I'm like, where were the Olympics? Take me there now.
2: (laughs) I have actually been swimming at the Sydney Olympic Ah, pool. It's a nice pool, isn't it? It's a really nice pool. It's really deep.
0: Yes, really, really deep. Yeah, we like to be deep in Australia and throw people in. It's like you learn to swim. Uh, the <laughs> one, <laughs> that's how. That's how we win gold medals. It's no choice. <laughs> Just like basically, shopping. but Colin, you because you had uh, obviously the Pan Am Games, what ninety nine, wasn't it for ninety nine? Yeah, Winnipeg. And I remember when I visited you once. You've still got the uh, a couple of things there in the city because I like it when cities will still embrace that history like when i was living in victoria they've still got commonwealth games sort of plaques and that there from 1994 and all those sort of stuff so it's it's interesting that they still kind of do that
3: like i i know with with calgary every time i go there i'm going there just to go to the olympic park but even in the airport uh you you probably saw it there too ben yeah there's mannequins in the airport that are in the opening ceremony you you the mascots mascots there Yeah. yeah and this is decades later and calgary's got a lot of things that they could be showcasing but even in their airport we're like we're gonna brag on the olympics from 30 years ago
0: until the flames start doing well again uh, yeah. <laughs> well
1: to be fair calgary was pretty fantastic
0: oh yeah <laughs> i was one um <laughs> I, I saw cool runnings and eddie the eagle uh <laughs> <laughs> well that look at how many movies they made about it <laughs> half the reason i go for the calgary flames is because of those olympics and the fandom of you know the jamaican bobsled team and all that as a kid does that count <laughs> <laughs>
1: we'll forgive you <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you do you have
3: uh allison you were mentioning was it lake placid was your first one do, do either of you have like uh, olympics like what it was that got you into and which olympics
1: Well, the the first memory that I have been told about and I think is recreated is, of course, Nadia from uh, Montreal 76. Um, I was the little kid who went out uh, at the barbecue and would not come in until I learned how to do a cartwheel. (laughs) But the the Olympics that I know are my memories is 1980. I remember the uh, Miracle on Ice with the U.S. hockey team. Uh, the Heartbreak Kids, Ty and uh, Ty Babylonia and Randy Gardner, who couldn't compete, they were the reigning pairs championships, uh, champions in ice skating. And because it was in New York State where I lived, I I had that very strong connection to it.
2: So, I had a friend who loved Dorothy Hamill, and she had the Dorothy Hamill haircut, she had the Dorothy Hamill. Doll. So I know who I knew who Dorothy Hamill was when she was at the height of her popularity, but the games that really sucked me in were LA 84 because I was, uh, an age group swimmer at the time and, and was doing okay. I mean, I was no, not going to the Olympics anytime soon, but I was, I was, uh, fairly competitive in my little area. And, uh, I just remember watching the opening ceremonies, not knowing who Rayford Johnson was when everybody got excited that he lit the cauldron, mm-hmm. but the swimming competition, especially when uh, the women's 100 meter free, when Nancy Hogshead and Carrie Steincipher tied for gold, that just blew my mind and I was just hooked.
0: I think we've told Okay, it.
1: so oh. I was going to say for, no, for Ben, was it like, you know, last year was your first yeah. Olympics? You know, <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: I was going to say how covered Ma- Rio when he had no idea what was going on. I, I actually like this because generally now the, the recent spate of guests we've got on and we generally ask the question like, what was the first Olympics you remember watching? They're mm. like, oh, London 2012. I have brief <laughs> yeah. memories of. And I was like, oh, all right. Um, uh, no, for me, it was actually Barcelona. I was five, but I remember um, sort of watching. i like, what is this? This is unique. And I remember like Cathy what winning the road race for australia uh sort of the kieran perkins hype that was sort of around then and everything and the awesome foursome in the rowing so i sort of remember that it's sort of more i think what got me like atlanta was the real first one where it was like okay i'm i'm watching the opening ceremony i remember because i played field hockey growing up and i remember having a game in the morning that the famous 1500 meters but kieran perkins ultimately won and Everyone was all like, ah, he snuck in, he won't win. It's all about Daniel Kowalski. And I'm all like, no, Kieran's going to do it. Kieran's going to do it. And he ultimately famously did from lane eight. But I think in between then, I actually remember, you know, Winter Olympics coverage in Australia was very sporadic uh, growing up. Lillehammer, they sort of went a little bit all out. And I remember us winning our first ever medal in, in 94 with the short track relay. So I remember the coverage that got. Uh, and it, it's not the Olympics, but I do remember the Commonwealth Games in 94 and Victoria kind of really hooking me into multi-sport events. So it was – it was Atlanta was sort of really the, the main one and then Nagano obsessed with that. And then obviously Sydney was the one that really kind of, you know, set a lot of people on, on fire. That sounds a bit wrong. But um in Australia, just, you know, that obsession. Because I think it's – the unique thing obviously about Australia is it's that, um you know, when Sydney got – announces the olympics and how big of a deal that was for the country because it obviously had been since 56 since we had had an olympics and now we're in a unique position for most of us in our lifetime we're going to have two olympic games in a lifetime for a country like australia is a little bit unique whereas i used to always look at like oh america you know they've got an olympics every two or so years but now you've had a big gap before la obviously now between salt lake but um yeah uh, and i guess colin you've you've had two in your lifetime though quite quickly in mm-hmm. canada with 88 and 2010 of course
3: yeah. And I think my earliest memories of knowing what the Olympics was was Calgary and Calgary and Seoul, those two combined. Uh I remember with Seoul them showing us the opening ceremonies during our taekwondo class and showing us some of the the Taekwondo coverage from there. But uh similar to Ben, I think Barcelona is when I started actually really watching. Not that I knew anything about it. It was sort of like my brother and I had a TV in our room and we would just spend all hours watching and just picking a country, you know? Uh this is uh, whatever long jump. I'm going to go the for unified uh, team, unified <laughs> team. Yes.
0: <laughs> Underrated country of the Olympics. We need to talk about them more,
3: <laughs> but then Lillehammer, I had a little bit more knowledge, obviously with the Tonya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan thing. I mean, the entire world was watching that. And I think it was during Lillehammer when I saw the moguls for the first time, which to this day is my number one favorite sport in the world. I mean, over anything and Jean-Luc Broussard winning the, the gold in that, but similar to Ben, Atlanta was when I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch everything. I'm watching the opening ceremonies, and I remember Donovan Bailey winning the the gold for the hundred meter. And my friend and I, we had a sleepover that weekend, and we literally just watched that same ten seconds over and over and over again. Spent like an hour watching the event over and over and over again, just didn't get enough of it.
0: I want to actually just I want to ask you guys about Atlanta because I know you guys have done a lot of sort of flashbacks, and I I love reading about it, but like in terms of that obsession and I'd love to find out from you, like I was that kid who back then our newspaper every day would have the daily Olympic lift out. So I've still got that to this day. I've got the, the folders filled with it and just everything you would buy, like a, a newspaper preview, things they don't do anymore, which it's kind of, you know, sad, but like I was that it says I would get notebooks and I would write the results out in my notebooks. I've still got all of them, little nine-year-old Ben writing out, you know, who won the, you know, decathlon that year and stuff like that. So, um, Did you two do that as well? And also on the transition, Atlanta, talk to me. I love your love of Atlanta and the show that you guys have.
1: Well, Atlanta was our first historical Mm -hmm. uh, Olympics that we did. So we spent a year kind of going through what we remembered, what we didn't remember and finding new stories. I am not by nature a collector. So I was never one to write things down, save things, uh, put it in in notebooks like that. That's just not my personality. But Atlanta has a I was a grown-up, I was an adult living in my own apartment. And I remember sitting in the heat, because there was no air conditioning in my apartment and my little television and staying up too late because I had to get to work at eight o'clock the next morning and watching so much of it. And really it was it was fun. That was a fun Olympics until, of course, the bombing, yeah. um, which we covered but didn't cover because we wanted people to remember the joy of it more than everybody talks about the bombing, which was so horrific, of course. So it was a strange Olympics in that it was so much joy. And yet you've got this one thing that everyone remembers.
2: I mean, at- Atlanta's very interesting because it's always fun to have games on home soil, that was the first games since LA 84 that was in America. So that was also, it was just really cool. And you wanted to have that magic back. The, the over-commercialization was a, a deal. And and I don't think I, I wrote stuff down in that same way. I do collect a little bit more, but I don't have a ton of stuff from Atlanta that that I know of, but you never know. I, I do have the dailies from Salt Lake when I was there. Mm-hmm. I grabbed all the dailies I could. Um, but like I just remember watching Muhammad Ali light the torch and I will still cry whenever I see that clip. Um and just all the amazing performances and we were sucked into the uh gymnastics it was, I was kind of in between jobs at the time. And then I started at the company where Allison and I would end up meeting each other and um, just talking the gymnastics with my coworkers and the horrific uh, commentary that we had here in the United States from those, from that event. Um, It it just, it just kind of culminates and you can't help but like it, but you understand A little bit more of America being America and maybe the IOC didn't appreciate some of America's not so good points with the over commercialization. And then we find out, you know, later we've got some bribery scandals and all that jazz. Yeah,
0: what's an Olympics without a bribery scandal? Come on, you know, like this (laughs) just goes hand in hand like hundred meters. I got two quick questions because I actually I'd love to learn about you two how you two met and going back to i think the initial question about how you two got into doing the podcast but just on commentary and and like i don't know how much you've listened to our show we like to make a bit of a sport of it like oh channel seven aren't they you know this way during olympics which is funny that somehow i got a job working for them during the last olympics but that's another story (laughs) but uh, do you like when it comes to say talking during the coverage like do you sort of you know, maybe do a segment where you're talking about like NBC, like, you know, this is, you know, that, or do you just kind of accept ah, it's NBC. They're going to, this is how they do the Olympics and we don't want to talk about it.
2: Well, I, I will say during the Tokyo Paralympics, we had a whole segment called feed beefs because we had a lot of questions and a lot of issues with the coverage that those Paralympic games got. And we were so used to, getting everything for the Olympics and not understanding why the Paralympics didn't have everything. We've just found out why, and that will be on a future episode, oh. but it it was a uh, very, it was a little disconcerting. And of course we do talk about some commentators and some commentators we really love and are thrilled when they're back on. But, uh, you know, it's it, it, sometimes it, I think anybody has a little, uh, trial period so to speak or learning curve there's always a learning curve with becoming a commentator and so that that's something we we try to be somewhat nice about i don't know well i I will
1: say if anybody goes and listens to say our first 50 episodes they will hear our learning curve (laughs) of doing the show we're nearly at
0: 300 we're hoping to get a learning curve done eventually
1: (laughs) you know and i i say that with with both humility and humor and yeah there were certain things that we did very well early on and things that we are just horrified that that's what the show sounded like. So I get when when commentators really struggle and I'm always so thrilled when I get to hear the OBS commentators the mm-hmm. Olympic Broadcasting Service mm-hmm. because they do tend to be better. But I my sympathy ends when I see their paychecks in the sense (laughs) of these Olympic broadcasters and, and Australia, Canada, the United States, Europe, there's a lot of money flowing around. And you would think with that much money, we could do better for these athletes. It's,
0: and it's, it's fascinating here in Australia. They just in the last couple of weeks, uh, basically announced that a different network has got the rights now to broadcast the Olympics for 10 years. Channel nine, who is not, Renowned, like you think it's, it'd be the same in the states. If all of a sudden ABC got the Olympics tomorrow, you'd be like, "Oh, this is it." Could be different, but you assume NBC is your Olympic broadcaster. CBC in Canada, Channel Seven is the Olympic broadcaster in Australia. They lost it for 2010, 2012, and 2014, but then it, they got it back. We've got a decade now of Channel Nine, and it's going to be interesting because some of those really iconic commentators at a Channel Seven, you know, stalwarts, it gonna not probably be there. I personally, as a kid, always loved Channel 9 more than Channel 7. Uh, hello, former employers. But, like, it was it was unique working for Channel 7 and to see that sort of what goes on. And you do definitely grow a more of an appreciation when you're working for them and seeing how difficult it is to put an Olympics together. Uh, I was only there during a winter game, so it was obviously probably going to be 10 times, you know, more difficult during a summer. But it, it, it's, it's that unique flavor. And it's waiting for Colin now to get a job for CBC for uh <laughs> for the next ones and then we can sort we of... need
3: somebody to put in a word for me <laughs> yeah I, I, <laughs> we know
0: connections so well, i can contact Devin again you know like get him there for you i
3: i, I would <laughs> actually say some of our some of our most fun interviews have been with the commentators yeah. um like even just the canadian you mentioned Devin hero who i mean even just following on social media forget about commentary and everything like that um the it was the one curler i spoke to i mean he's a former athlete uh from um uh, mike harris um, but then the other fun thing was um, when we had Brittany McLean, who was a swimmer, you know, she had done well. She won a, in a relay and she was just working. She was one of the people helping us set up interviews. And Ben's like, oh, I think that she's an athlete, too. So we asked her to be on the show. And the next thing you know, she's on CBC. She's not just doing commentary. She's doing hosting and everything like that. And we're like, man, she's made for this. So. The commentators are definitely fun because I mean that that's kind of their job. I mean, so, not to name any specific names, but sometimes we get athletes on the show, and Ben and I will always ask each other, "It's like, oh, how was the interview?" And sometimes their answer is like, "It was okay," you know. <laughs> and sometimes the answer is like, "Oh, they're great," but I don't think we've ever had anybody involved in commentary that d- doesn't really deliver in an interview. Well, we've got we've
0: got coming up, um, Basil Zemplis who iconic voice and face in Australia of of media. He's actually now the mayor of Perth. So, uh, you know, he can kind of tick that off his his list. But uh, he was the man behind the Stephen Bradbury call. Uh, So um, they did a great package on Channel 7 during the Beijing Olympics because that was the 20th anniversary of Stephen Bradbury. And they sort of had Bradbury on talking about memories. But then they also got Basil on to like, well, this is my memories of how I even got to call it. Like I got a last minute call from Channel 7. Do you want to go to Salt Lake tomorrow? What do you know about short track? And he's like, oh... I know everything about it, and was like researching it on the plane. So, during the interview, as a bit of a teaser, I get him to recreate the call. So, it's it's <laughs> it's kind of that I, I iconic moment really with that. But I would love both of you, like you talk about you you worked together, did you? And then sort of do you just sort of sit around the lunchroom and go, "So, do you watch the Olympics? You like the Olympics? I like the Olympics too." And it's kind of like that Spider-Man meme where you're pointing at each other.
2: But well, well, I, we I think worked it's even an- better because we worked in the same department and literally It was an open office plan for our department. So we'd turn around and talk Olympics. Wow. And annoy our
1: coworkers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were were diagonal from each other. So we did this also with our work. So one of us would turn around, usually me, and say, hey, Jill. And she'd turn around and say, hey, Allison. And then we would work out whatever issue we were dealing with of our work. But then when Salt Lake City came around, it became what is going on. And we had a boss who was horrified with, um, ice dance, particularly the outfits. And one morning we were talking and she just looked at me because she knew I was a figure skating fan and said, "Allison, why are they wearing rags? (laughs) (laughs) And so she became involved in the conversation. So when, uh, later on i had my daughter and i moved away and we were no longer working together and i was home by myself it's very lonely and i wasn't working and uh, jill had left that job and she was working from home and she was lonely and it just sort of evolved in in that way where we met up we were visiting and she said i think i'm gonna do a podcast would you like to do it with me and i said I listened to podcasts. Sure. Having no, no idea what, what I was getting into and also what it would mean when you hit a pandemic. And I mentioned this before, there were weeks where just talking to her on zoom was the only other outside contact. I think both of us had Mm -hmm. or the interviews that we did and it was an absolute lifeline to sanity to be doing the podcast, to be interacting with the fans, to be interacting with the listeners, to have that connection to the outside world was tremendous in in so many ways. I'm sure you guys had had similar experiences because you're locked down. Yeah, Colin's my only
0: friend, oh. so um.
3: <laughs> well, that's true. But yeah. and Jared doesn't. We know Jared doesn't count. but what's interesting we mentioned about the pandemic because, like I said, I got covid on the day of the opening ceremonies i think that was the only episode i actually missed during uh um, no, you missed because
0: you got it i got it during beijing as well so you there got was one too, day yeah. where basically we were like ah uh, so two of us are down uh we'll be back tomorrow for a double episode
3: yeah. <laughs> and, and ben was literally locked in a hotel at that point so mm. <laughs> that definitely made it a lot easier too and you know it's funny because when, when i think about uh back like ben and i had been doing another podcast together since before sochi and I don't even think that we even realized we were as big Olympic fanatics during those Olympics, or maybe it was during those Olympics. It's like, Oh, Ben's posting a lot about it. And you're, I'm, I'm posting about it a lot, but uh, I kind of wish that we'd had those Olympics, you know, cause there's nobody to talk to Like for me, I, I know a few people who might check out an event here or there. I don't know anybody personally who's like an Olympic fanatic. And I remember every single day I'd be, saying, oh, this went on. Did you see it? And people are like, no, no, I didn't see it. And they'd be humoring me, you know? They're like, oh, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I remember trying to arrange a moguls party during Sochi for, like, the finals. So they're like, who wants to come to my moguls party? It's like, oh, I think I'm... they pulled a Jared. I think I'm busy that day or whatever. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> N- knowing it's, it's not necessarily something like, you know, soccer or football or hockey where you just – turn around and the first person you see, they're going to know everything about it. You know, it, being able to have anybody to talk to about it, I mean, it's definitely, it, it, it's it saves your sanity.
0: It's it's because it's one of those things you, that's a great comparison to like soccer and that because generally every four years or every two years, you know, obviously with the winter and summer cycle, you'll get people who are like tuning in and watching it. But between those cycles, you, you know, no one's really sort of caring. And that's obviously what we do on our shows is to get the athletes on and they're still competing in between Olympics. You know, they they're still out there working their butts off to try and make an Olympics and, and win medals and that. But yeah, I, it's uh, through the people I've known in my life. And that like, my dad might be like, Oh cool. Who want to go a medal today? I remember after Rio um, my mom and I going to sort of a famous market in Hobart on the same day that they had a, a welcome home parade. And I'm like, mom, I'm going to go, you know, meet these Olympians. And she's like, "Who? what are they doing here? Um, <laughs> but like, as a kid, like dragging my parents, I had all these Sydney parades and everything in the lead up and afterwards uh, I remember going to a, I think at high school after the Sydney Olympics, we had sort of like a, a, you know, a school dance between, because I went to an all boys high school. So they got the all girls high school and we came together and it was called like a social or something. And it was a fancy dress. So I dressed as Peter Van and Hoogen of all the people. It didn't go as like Ian Thorpe or Kathy Freeman. I went as a Dutch swimmer because why wouldn't I? And everybody- They
3: wouldn't let you in with the speedo was the real <laughs> reason it was Ian Thorpe.
0: But everyone's, everyone, you know, dressed up as like Batman or like, you know, <laughs> Princess Jasmine or something like that. And I'm in this like orange shirt with goggles. <laughs> I was like a fake gold medal around my, like, who are you? I'm like, Peter Van and Hoogan Van. And they're like, who? (laughs) They're like, did you not watch the
2: Olympics? Clearly
0: I'm the only 13 year old here who did. So yeah, it's kind of unique finding people you can talk about it with.
2: Right. And, and I lived in Boston for a long time and friends there, we would have opening ceremonies parties Mm. and people would be like, oh yeah, I love the Olympics. We'd have an opening ceremonies party. It'd be a lot of fun. And we do like, we, we, do uh food contests like we'd call it top chef food contest where you picked a or you were assigned a sport and you had to create a dish around that sport and that was a ton of fun but then like the day-to-day nitty-gritty how you know in the 15th hour of coverage that day can you still talk about it and the answer is not not very many people can
0: yeah and it's even sort of through my current job where I, I work for a major sporting organisation, an Olympic sport, mind you, and it's still kind of people, like you mention it, and they sort of like, ah, oh, the Olympics, oh, yeah. And it's sort of like, well, this sport is at the Olympics, um, but it's not, the Olympics is not, the, it's it's soccer. So, like, obviously the World Cup is more their peak uh, sort of, you know, body there when it comes to that sort of stuff. But it is interesting, and, and particularly in Australia, we're such a sporting Nation that, you know, we saw during the World Cup with the roos how much we get behind it because, like, we really don't have, like, a sport where everything stops because even, like, say, Australian football, it's only really regional. There's, you know, two states don't really give two hoots about it. You know, cricket, yeah, but, like, it's not sort of, like, we're all sitting around watching it religiously because that's a whole other story. So an Olympics and a World Cup are kind of those two ones that sort of do that, but then obviously with an Olympics because... You know, there's so many sports, you know, it's not like we're all oh, the modern pentathlon world cups on. Let's all stop, which I wish we would, because that's the best Olympic sport. We all agree <laughs> with that, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's interesting how there are people out there who are just like, oh, the Olympics. Sure. Uh, <laughs> mm. we're, we're all that. One of the fans. big,
1: one of the big questions that I get when people find out what I do and what the show is about is what do you do when the Olympics and the Paralympics are not on? hundred percent. Yeah. And I look at them like they have seven heads. It's like, do you know how many sports there are in this event? Yeah. Do you know how many people are involved that we can talk to? And it, it amazes me that even though people watch it, don't realize how big complex and, and how many people are involved. Even though you Mm -hmm. must understand when you're looking at 16 days of, of, you know, 18 hours of a day of competition. There's a lot of people involved, but it doesn't seem to register except when it's on. It's that out of sight, out of mind. Do you find that as well?
0: Absolutely. And it's, it's crazy kind of when you explain what exactly what you're saying, because people, yeah, have that vision. It's just 16 days every four years, basically. So yeah, that's all they have got to care. Of. I mean, I just, I don't know if they think that just you know, people are just sitting around like Michael Phelps just sat around for four years and go, oh, the Olympics aren't in two weeks, better go. I mean, they're not Dale Beg Smith. That's kind of what he did. But it is <laughs> it is that uniqueness of that because there is just so much into it. And even outside of the sporting things, like sort of, you know, you touched on the behind the scenes sort of interviews. I know you had Dick Pound on, you know, recently, things yeah. like that. Like just the organization that goes into bidding for an Olympics and, and planning. And then even outside of the the games themselves, you know, the cultural aspects of it, you know, the Olympic movement, the education that goes into it and, you know, people can get degrees in the Olympic movements and things like that, which people I don't think are aware of. And as Colin touched on the the broadcast side of things, you know, like I'm sure we all harbored ambitions to be an Olympic athlete and yet we're all sitting here doing a podcast So clearly that's worked out (laughs) for us. But like, it's, it's, I think I clicked on that mindset as a, as a kid knowing that it's not going to happen for me but I love talking. I wanted to be a commentator. I wanted to be the next Bruce McAvaney. So that's where I switched my focus. So when I've got a Basil Zemplis on the show, a Devin Haru, like somebody who talks about the Olympics and is covering them, I'm almost as excited because I love learning about what it takes to be a broadcaster during the Olympics. So yeah, there's so many stories. I mean, we did the mascots episode, like there's design Mm -hmm. teams who have to come up with branding for the Olympics and as you can tell, I get passionate and excited about this because it is like there's so much to learn that it just it doesn't stop. You know, what I'm curious. Well, I'm, I'm curious even
3: Ben's answer for this. I mean, from all the different people you talk to, is there any time where you got starstruck? Because, I mean, you kind of just reach a point where, OK, this is an interview. And even if, like when we interviewed Apollo Ono, um, I knew that one was a big deal. But it's not like I was like, oh no, what are we gonna ask Apollo and stuff like that. Oh no, what are we gonna ask? Oh no, (laughs) good fun there. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, there's definitely those times though where you're like, this is a person I've looked for. How am I gonna hold my cool in this interview? Yeah, it's dick uh, pound. Dick Dick pound. pound. Yeah,
1: really. So uh, Jill, when we when we landed that interview, we both kept saying we won't believe it until this actually happens, and that was probably the only interview where we really talked ahead. I mean, we always have a show sheet. We always have our questions planned. We always, but where we really had a meeting to figure out how we were going to approach this interview.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. And
1: I was a wreck. I was an absolute wreck in that interview. And of course then we started having audio problems.
0: Uh, It's always the way, right? It's always those big ones. And it's like, yeah. He
1: couldn't really hear me. And so Jill had to take over and, and so that we were nervous, but I get excited I think with every athlete we've talked to, I get excited and a little starstruck and I try not to, and yet also to be starstruck because that's kind of our approach
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: is that this is, we get to talk to and and see and do things that I certainly never
2: thought would be part of my life. And I never want to lose that. I was going to go back to when people talk about like, what do you talk about when the Olympics aren't on? I am amazed since we've started the podcast how much the Olympics pop up in everyday life. Mm. And and it's always in weird ways. I was in on an island in Georgia a couple weeks ago found a uh, was in a museum Olympic reference to uh to the tennis player Davis who the Davis Cup is named after. Um reading a Haruki Murakami book. It it just says, "Oh, you know, I was in Tokyo the year after the Olympics. It was just like it comes up over and over again. And it's such like a a marker for a lot of things as an event It's that, that I find pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I agree with that completely because, I mean, you know, at the time of recording this this afternoon, sort of the organization I work for, I produce podcasts. And we've got a guest on the podcast today who was at the Beijing Olympics. Now, he's not renowned for that moment. That's just a footnote on his career. He's got so many other highlights in, in soccer and football. But to me, it's kind of that little moment of like, you went to the Olympics, tell me about, you know, that whereas no one's going to give two hoots about that. Um, but I, I think like with the, the guest side of things, I think, you know, through a lot of my career in broadcasting and that sort of stuff, you know, it's been my job to interview a lot of people where I've been fans of that and sort of it, it you do get to a point where it's very rare that I get starstruck anymore because it's just, your job and you, you're used to it but there's definitely been some like kieran perkins like i mean when i landed that interview he was like my biggest idol as a child i absolutely loved everything to do with him so that was kind of a, a cool thing to be able to do but even sort of in the initial days when we were doing interviews and as i said i'd interviewed olympians before but like it was sort of when we got jamie saleh on the show like uh, i mean i was obsessed with that whole figure skating controversy and in love with Jamie. i wrote off to her and David Peltier and got an autograph as like a 15-year-old, you know, in Australia. So that was a big deal. I remember getting Zali Stegel who won Australia's first ever individual Winter Olympic medal in Nagano in 98. She's now a, a, a prominent politician in this country. I don't think many people realise she won an Olympic medal in alpine skiing. But getting her on the show, that was like, wow, Zali Stegall, you know, this is a, a big deal. Uh, Penny Alexiak, who we had on recently, that was sort of a big deal. Uh, and the one that, to me, I'm still kind of annoyed that I wasn't there for the, uh, the interview, but I'm so jealous of Colin, uh, is when we got Tessa Virtue on the show and, uh, you know, I was unavailable for that one, but it's sort of, it's, and it's not necessarily even sometimes a starstruck thing. It's when you can get athletes or guests of a certain caliber who, you know, they've been interviewed 500 times, you know, and what's new for them, but when you can surprise them, when you can give them something, and even they're like, Oh, that's that's a good question. Or you can, make them have a bit of a giggle or something along those lines. It's it's fun and you kind of, you feel for once, you may be good at what you do. Uh, so, mm. yeah, but like definitely some of those and sort of as, as you touched on there, Alison, just being so lucky for what we can do with this because, you know, we're not hired by NBC, Channel 7, CBC, you know, we're doing this as as purely a, as a hobby, as, as a fandom. And, you know, until recently, I was interviewing these athletes from my bedroom, you know, like I wake up mm. and, I'm just I'm interviewing Kieran Perkins from my bedroom. Who would have ever thought of it? But like it's just it's things like that, which just makes it so much fun to do what we do.
3: It it also helps, you know. Sometimes you will get an interview where the person's like, I've done this a million times. And you know, like with, with Tessa Virtue, I remember Ben asking me afterwards, like, Oh, please tell me it went well. And I'm like, You could like she was basically on a break in a hallway. And I told him, like, you could tell she's done a million of these things. It was, it was the easiest thing. It was one of the easiest interviews in the world because she's so experienced with that. But sometimes you get these athletes and they're in their bedroom, you know, and you're like, this is so easy because it's so natural. You expect you look up to these people and you're like, oh, they're this massive superstar. And then when you actually connect the call, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't clean up behind me. There's one famous one I always mentioned to Ben, right? She asked, oh, is this going to be on video? And I'm like, yeah, just like, oh, maybe I should clean up. And then she looks behind; she's got clothes dangling, and we're like, "Nah, I'm not gonna bother." <laughs> you know, when they're relaxed, it makes you relaxed. I mean, for me, the 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 big one, which is an episode yet to air, is the Defer LaPoint sisters. <laughs> you know, a because that moguls is my all-time favorite sport he's got B's photos of
0: him with them behind I, him which we had to literally behind me which
3: I, ben decided to bring up on the episode do you know that you're in photos with colin and there's and no not his with wife his family <laughs> there it's not my family there's not my my kids are off to the side but uh but you know that one was such a big deal because i remember when we started this show they were one of the first ones that i had reached out to and you never get a response and then ben had tried several times and it didn't look like it would happen. happened at one point It was like, okay, they'll come on the show, but then it's like, oh, but maybe you can get one of them. And then somehow we managed to land all three sisters, all three Olympians in the exact same time. And I remember being like, this is 4 a.m. I'll be there. And it's not even necessarily like you were saying, but it's not like you're starstruck, like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? But you're like, all right, I want to come prepared for this one. And then... They're so relaxed that it's just it puts you at ease, and that's the best thing about athletes. I would say compared to even some of like the actors, some of the actors we've interviewed for our other podcasts, big stars, and they're like very natural. And then other times it's like, oh, this is an interview. You could see their assistant in the background. You never really get that with the athletes. Trying to
0: politicians. It's always uh. <laughs> like, I, I just got a real quick question on that too, just because I realize we're obviously running short on time. But I, I like you touched on that. You do the update, sort of. These are the guests we've had on the show. This is what we're doing. You know, I'll I'll go on to a joke in a minute that we have that we're a curse. Every time we get someone on the show, they they don't do well at the Olympics. Um, we've kind of broke. It's mainly a me thing we've, we've established. It's bad me. But <laughs> one, one that always stands out for us as an example where it was kind of the opposite and they've gone on to bigger and better things. At the time we had them on, they were so unknown, but now they're sort of doing stuff. And I'd love to hear if you've had that case. We had uh, two Canadian ski jumpers on on the show, uh, Ali Ludit and Abby Strait who were part of the the mixed team that won Canada's first ever ski jumping medal at the Olympics in Beijing. And they've since gone on to win world cups and junior world championships. They're doing fantastic things out there in the ski jumping community in a sport that really isn't that big in Canada.
3: Do you? And they'll f- never be back on our show
0: again. Never be back on the show again. And <laughs> the great thing is like Ali's like, I listen to your show all the time. And it's like, wow, this is Great. So like, do you find that you've had sort of athletes like that, where maybe at the time they were say, you know, getting started or unknown and then they go to an Olympics, win a medal and they're sort of now a bit more of a household. You discovered them basically.
2: I wouldn't say we discovered Aaron Jackson because in, I I also officiate roller derby and Aaron Jackson plays roller derby, a speed skater who won gold at uh, 500 meters in Beijing. And so she was kind of a known quantity to me. You, you know, you talk about being starstruck. I got to officiate her one tournament, and I was a little starstruck at, <laughs> at that. Um, but you know, we talked with her when she was first starting on skates, and kind of uh, did we get her in between that period? Was she going to we Pyeongchang? Talked, I, yeah, we talked to her before yeah. Pyeongchang. Yeah, she had so made the was, team,
1: but before she went, I think.
2: Right. And, and it was just, you know, she was shocked that she made it because she had just started on skates the, that year, like that a few months beforehand. And she just had this inline career that was uh, incredible, but, and she still does inline skating as well, but you know, she didn't expect to do well and she didn't do well at Pyeongchang. That was just a learning tournament for her. And, uh, then it was nice to see her go and do big things at Beijing. And we've gotten, I, I was lucky enough to be able to talk with her a little bit there, but you know, now she's, she is a, a big rock star. And we did get to steaks. talk. We,
1: we did get to talk to her in between. Nice. So we've had her on the mm-hmm. show yeah. twice.
0: So you don't curse um, your guests. I'm hearing this. It like- you know, <laughs> well, it's so funny
1: you say that because we, I, was it during Beijing or Tokyo where we were really starting to feel I think it was during Tokyo it and then Tokyo. it happened we were really starting to feel like Shakva Stan is going to have zero medals <laughs> people kept getting hurt that was they weren't making the team because or they would get there and then they wouldn't compete we were really starting to feel bad and the the guest that comes to mind about the gone on to to do big things was the first interview we ever did which was uh Josh Williamson who was one of the winners of the uh, US Olympic committee did a reality show Ah. to find next Olympic hopefuls. When we spoke to him, he had not even been in a bobsled yet. Wow. And he was named to the team for Beijing and promptly got COVID. Mm. So we were like, this is all our fault. We did this to him. (laughs) Thankfully he got well enough that he was able to compete. And we've talked to him almost every year since. Um, so he's kind of our Shukla San citizen number one that still comes back on the show, even though he's, you know, now Josh Williamson O-L-Y but he still talks
0: to us. We might, we would have to get them more regularly, Colin, because the the one that comes to mind, the worst one, I think was when we had Derek Druin on who basically, yeah, I was going to bring that up, you know, gold medalist in, (laughs) in Rio world champion, you know, dominating the high jump. And I think at the end of it, I'm like, well, we're going to guarantee you're going to be back to back gold in Tokyo. You're going to do it. It was like a month beforehand. Derek Druin has withdrawn from the Tokyo Olympics. (laughs) It
3: it was worse than that. I mean, this, this guy, it's, he was a lock for another gold medal before Tokyo. And we had him on. He was still competing. I don't remember what year that was. And Ben decided to bring it up. I think that was the first time he ever brought up. You know, we have a bit of a curse on here. Nobody who's ever been interviewed has actually won. Uh, although I think it's just people who were interviewed by Ben hadn't yeah. won. Be I've never had
0: I've never had one of my that I've been on win a gold. I've had uh medals that have been won. Um oh well, I guess we had um in the Paralympics, won a gold, so I'll take yeah. that. But like in terms of the non-Paralympics, never had a gold medalist that I've interviewed and gone on to an Olympics. So yeah. But but then Ben
3: brings it up on the air to him and says, "You know what? We I've never interviewed somebody who's actually won a medal, uh, <laughs> after, but I have a good after. feel. Use I have a good feeling about you. I have a feeling you're going to be the guy to break my curse." And he actually says. Yeah, you probably shouldn't tell that to people. And <laughs> the next thing we know, he's withdrawing from Tokyo due to injury. Hey,
0: hey! At least he survived. Let's not talk about on the James Bond podcast how I killed two James Bond actors by bringing yeah, up before they another. die. That's a whole other story. But um, yeah, Ben should
3: just stop I, talking. I'd love to.
0: Like, I know obviously we're about to run out of time, but I think we all wanted to share kind of maybe for, for all of our listeners, uh, you know, on both shows. Uh, obviously we've got a big catalog. Everyone should listen to all of our shows, clearly all of our episodes, but the three maybe episodes that you two would recommend that if somebody listening to our show right now has never listened to keep the flame alive, what are the, what are the three that if they listen to they would, they'd get in that zone and that they, they'd become Shuk Flastani's people. <laughs> Very nice.
1: <laughs> did I get nice. we it? We did not. You did it. We did not discuss this. So I'm curious to see if Jill's three are the same as my three. All
0: right. uh, I like this.
1: <laughs> all right, you go first. You go first. Well, okay. So I said Ben Ryan, which is episode oh, 193, okay. uh, rugby coach, very well-known. Uh, Marnie McBean was an oh, athlete. Wow. She, that's episode 114, Canadian. Yeah. She was the, the chef de mission for Tokyo yeah. and really became a, a rock star there. Talk about uh, Literally, a woman who she
3: played the drums. She played the <laughs> yeah. drum
1: and she was everywhere. And she was able to talk about both being the chef de mission and her experiences in atlanta as a as a medal winning rower and then from our daily shows it, Jill's favorite story of mine was from the beijing paralympics day 7 i had a little trouble in the mountains and <laughs> Jill particularly <laughs> enjoys that one
0: all right i like the teasing there i need to definitely check that out <laughs>
2: <laughs> well we have not match on any episode <laughs> <laughs> well there's six that
1: people can listen extra to that's promotion. better yeah, extra, right, extra promotion. right so
2: so i picked uh michael payne episode 269 which is a recent interview but michael payne was the, the first director of ioc's marketing and he's been in the movement for ages and it's a really good way to get a whole bunch of the history there um, I also picked John Register. He was on a couple of episodes, but I picked 157. He's a Paralympic. He he did two Paralympics. He did Atlanta for swimming and then Sydney for long jump. And we really, uh, A, he's got a velvet voice, which is always fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, but, but B, we really got into kind of the mechanics of long jump. And we always love how how shows work or um, we love how sports work. So he was really good about that. And then I also picked for a how sports work, uh, episode one fifty nine Stephanie Roble and Maggie Shea, who are, uh, sailors. They do the, uh, 49er FX category. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, I didn't think much about sailing as an Olympic sport before, just cause it's one of those that yeah. doesn't, it's hard to watch on TV. It's really mm-hmm. hard to watch, yep. but, uh, Watching those boats and, and talking to them really made me appreciate the sport a whole lot more. And it makes me want to try the sport too.
0: Parts of the Caribbean music we've discovered is the secret. That's what yeah. they need for it. <laughs> that, that makes it... <laughs> That makes it more exciting. Uh, we did a commentary of that during uh, Tokyo, and it, 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 you know it made it exciting. Colin, I don't even think I mentioned this to you off air that this is what we were doing on this episode. No, so. I,
3: I, I read it in the write up briefly. So my, mine's off the top of my head. So we didn't we didn't um, consult I'm either. Gonna,
0: so we just want the extra promotion. All as right, well. you exactly. Six. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah. I, I'm going to put the plug out there for a soon to be aired episode. When I say soon to be aired, it's probably still a few months away. The Deferla Point sisters. Um, there's three of them. There are all three Olympians. There's three medals between them and they are amazing and they're pictured behind me um <laughs> which <laughs> everybody could see and they saw um one ben that you did uh and i wasn't able to be on which which was devastating to me was we keep mentioning the name Devin hero uh he's basically a curling fan who became a curling show host and cbc correspondent and really kind of kept the the pandemic olympics alive by trips to 7-eleven and stuff like that and it was probably one of the most entertaining people we've ever had on the show. He was just fantastic. Um, third one. Uh, let's see. I'm going uh, to I'm. come back to me, Ben. I'm going to hear your list and then come
0: back. Well, Knowing me, you know, I've always got, you know, plenty to go with. Um, I think just in terms of going back a little bit, um, <laughs> A lot of this comes down to humor. Our year to go before before Pyeongchang episode, I think that really kind of set our love for mascots because uh, oh. we were sort of talking about the uh, the Pyeongchang mascots. And back to my pronunciation fails, I ended up just calling them Boorang and Suorang. Like I just, I didn't even bother to go on their actual pronunciations, and that kind of just set off a, a target in terms of just our love for the mascots. And that was a, that was a good one. I think that, um, but
2: somebody doesn't like Sue Harang, I heard. <laughs> How dare you?
0: <laughs> That's another one I've got on there. The mascot rankings. You can hear kind of that. Um, I think too, it's sort of, a, it's a combination one because it's sort of, it paid off in the end. So our Penny Alexiak interview, which is a fairly recent oh, one, Canada's yes. most decorated Olympian of all time during, the tokyo olympics we would do a daily award where we'd you know who's your athlete of the day and i believe it was day eight during tokyo and that was a day that penny had cracked the the record she had won what eighth medal and, and you know became canada's most decorated olympian of all time summer or all winter so colin of course as a proud canadian is like this is history this is this is summer olympian doing this this would be like if you know Stephen bradbury won this for australia this is a rare feat it's a summer athlete Jared and I were very enamored by the French boxer at that point had famously sat in protest in the uh, the ring <laughs> after he lost. So we were like, no, we're voting for the French boxer. And then Colin got to the point where he got so mad, he got a chair, he threw it. He's like, oh, I'm going to sit here for an hour and say Penny Alexia. So we played that clip to Penny during the interview, which yeah. was quite a funny one. Um, And also during Tokyo we sort of like to do a bit of commentary, you know, we sort of expanded a little bit during Tokyo where we would sort of pre-record, doubled over some stuff, try to be a bit fancy, you know, but um, during some of those events, back to Colin saying different time areas and that sort of stuff, we were on air when Canada won the penalty shootout in the women's uh, soccer against mm-hmm. Sweden, the penalty shootout that nobody wanted to win. And so we have live reactions. That's on day 14, uh, essentially, of uh, Jared and I. Colin wasn't even on that episode, but that was absolutely fantastic. And and just I want to give a shout-out, a recent one we did actually with Gerard Caballon, uh breaker uh, who talks mm-hmm. up and you, you're talking about sort of learning about sailing, Jill. Uh, you know, I don't know how sort of you guys have been talking up, uh, breaking coming to the Olympics is sort of that bit confusing, like, oh, how's this going to work? And Gerard just explained it amazingly um, and just kind of talked about how it's so even – you know, a bit divisive in the breaking community, whether they want this in the Olympics, because like, it's not a sport, it's an art form, you know, things like that. And we actually will have another breaker on the show in the coming weeks as well, one of Australia's top female breakers. So if you want a bit of an education on breaking or break dancing, um, you can check those out as well.
2: I I will vouch for that. As I, I did listen to that interview, it was really good. And until we can get a breaker on, there you go.
0: Yeah. And there, there. You Catch got up to there. talk
2: to my
1: favorite name from Tokyo, Zach's Doubledy Cook. Oh, yes.
0: Oh, yeah. We all go gobbledygook. <laughs> gook. And that, that, the, the fun thing is which ties into that Basil one I was talking about because his famous call was like, we all go gobbledygook for Zach's Doubledy Cook. <laughs> and so, you know, I talked to Basil about that. But yeah, And Zach, like, did you find it fascinating, uh, his coffee love? Like, that was a thing that I sort of, I think we sat there for 20 minutes we're talking about how to make the perfect cup of coffee, Zach. And I was like, yeah, well, this is what you do. I just loved his name and
1: I still, yeah.
3: I I, want to put a plug for one of your episodes because I'm I'm only, I'm only on the first part. I haven't listened to the second part yet. So depending on when people are listening to this, but Dick Pound, fantastic, like you said, fantastic, just to get him on there. An incredible interview too. Um, I'm going to match with Ben here for my third one. I'm going to go with the Penny Alexia because it it really does tie into that of the day, which let me just add on that being, the only non-Australian when you got two Australian co-hosts and its majority wins for an athlete of the day. Let's also just say that there had been four athlete of the days chosen by the majority throughout those Olympics, and we hadn't had any, barely anything but Australians. So when I was protesting Penny Alexiac, it's like, listen, I'm going to get one Canadian finally here. I, I'm I'm going to make it Penny Alexiac. And the chair was real. The protest was real. It was partly in humor. Uh, but Probably. playing that clip for her, <laughs> partly, in for, but uh, what I eventually got Jared Arcos to change his uh, vote. And I sent him a box of Penny Alexiak Cheerios all the way to Australia uh, as a reward for that. Uh, but, but that was a, a perfect example, too, because Penny Alexiak rarely gives interviews, even here in Canada, like very rarely. And then when we had her, you expect her to be like one of these very serious. And then she was like. So fun, uh, so energetic,
0: and the most Canadian—the most Canadian answer ever, which I'll give a shout for—was basically like, "So Penny, like, you you broke the record, like, Justin Trudeau's tweeting about you, like, like, was this amazing?" She's like, "Yeah, that was fine. It was cool when Drake tweeted about me, though." (laughs) <laughs> it's like, well, all right, that's how Canadian you go for Drake
1: rather than Trudeau. Fair enough. But yeah, uh, well, we got, also- we got very Canadian during Tokyo. We had a whole segment to where in Tokyo is Marnie McMean yeah. because <laughs> she was that. everywhere. <laughs> so every day on our Tokyo shows, it was where she had been and what events she had been to and how she was Team Canada's mom for the whole, mm-hmm. the whole games. It was really incredible. She's amazing. Yeah. Another
3: kind of cross thing here. Yeah, you know, um, I'm pretty sure it was the first interview we ever had, Ben, was Evan Dunphy. It was Evan, yeah. Yeah, and then I remember when you, you... It was one of the times you've had Evan Dunphy on, um, and it that was after the whole announcement about what was going to happen with racewalking. And I even remember your interview with him. You had audio issues or something, so you aired some off-air conversations in lieu of that. And it, not technically off-air, but it was Evan Dunphy unloading. And I remember... As we went into the second interview with him, I was like, oh, I wonder if he's just like, no, he, when we interviewed them the second time, that is Evan Dunphy. He has he no holds barred. I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel about this.
2: And, and there's a lot of athletes in smaller sports or smaller events who once they get confidence in where their place is, I would say, in the sport, mm-hmm. they understand that they they can do what they want. And they're not yeah. going to get a whole lot of heat mm-hmm. and they can say what they want and they can, and that helps them make change. So I I applaud Evan Dunphy for being, well, I applaud him for being unspoken on our show. That was great, <laughs> but no, but I, I applaud him for realizing what his position in the sport can do and mm-hmm. what he can do for the, the sport.
0: Yeah. It's always fascinating when you kind of get them speaking out and doing that, and, and all the education. I, I want to you to give all the plugs because you know I want I want people listening to our show right now to learn where they can listen, what they can do, how they can join the the crew, and everything along those lines because they should be they should be tuning in. It's it's far more entertaining than our show. Come on, give it. Talk yourselves up.
2: <laughs> well, you can find us at flamealivepod You will be on your podcast player of choice. So look for us there. And then uh, we have a face. We're on, we're at flame alive pod on Twitter and Insta and Facebook. And we also have a Facebook group where all of the fun is at. And that is keep the flame alive pot podcast, Facebook group.
0: You've even got like a Facebook group and a website, column. We're so behind, yeah. you know, what are, what are <laughs> we doing? Um, I guess for for us, if people want yeah, to. Please. Yeah, please. Yes. Oh, oh, thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> off the podium, <laughs> uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, we're there, YouTube as well. We're doing a bunch of sort of video. Uh, pretty much all of our athlete interviews now are, are purely uh, also, well, not purely, but they're also on video form. We don't put our non-interview uh, ones up because no one wants to stare at me for that long uh, outside of uh, an, an Olympian on the show. Um, and yeah, uh, where all good podcasts are found, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the fun ones. I feel like it's so monotonous you say that at the end, right? Um, we are hoping to get a website. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll join the 21st century eventually, <laughs> maybe by Paris next year, which I'm hoping that like, are you both going to go to Paris or is that kind of the idea for both of you?
1: We've, we've applied unlike Beijing where <laughs> Jill drunkenly applied for credentials without telling me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing to do when drunk. Do
1: and, a and yeah, ends, you know, of I had a few drinks, <laughs> put him in, and all of a sudden I find myself lost on a mountain in China, uh, we, we worked very hard putting our Paris application together. So hopefully we will have a credentials for there, but I think we'll probably both end up there anyway, whether we're credentials or not.
0: Similar story. I think right here, I, um, the application's been put in, but, uh, no, I've set myself the goal accredited or not. I'm going to Paris. I've put in for the, uh, the ticket, uh, lottery as well as a backup. So, um, yeah, we can do this together. Like Colin, you've got to take some time I, off work next year in July. Come
3: on, I'd I'd have to get the okay from four other <sighs> people in my house. Just don't tell if, them. Los Angeles, Just I'm, wake I'm up. there for Los Angeles <laughs> though. Los Angeles, I'm a hundred percent there. I already, I the second that was announced, I told my wife. I'm going to Los Angeles with or without you. So you can bring the kids. And then you can Brisbane. Myself, Brisbane. I am
1: so ready for Brisbane. Nine years
0: to get some time off for that, Colin, as well. I think we've got Ben,
3: ben you off. need to get a couple spare bedrooms then. Um, so everybody can save on hotels for God's Brisbane.
0: Account. I mean, I'm a bit far. It's a bit of a long drive from here. It's, you know, like a 15-hour commute <laughs> to Brisbane. Uh, so I <laughs> might need to get somewhere a little bit closer in the next nine years. But uh, we will see. I've I've enjoyed uh, I've, so thoroughly enjoy being able to do this with you both um I, I i'm going to hand over to you two to to close this section up because i talk too much and i need to learn oh. to shut up
1: no thank you so much. and and this is you know when we get to talk to other people who who do what we do and 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 have the, this is so cool that we get to do this and get to talk to these people and then get to talk to each other and share that with our listeners this is just cool seriously
0: i agree Better it's, and it's also fun to be able to talk to some different voices besides Colin and Jared. Like, seriously, like I mean <laughs> you know, like you try like you two get along very well. We just put this on. We hate each other.
3: Like we're just Oh, oh. we're fighting all the time, <laughs> even
0: on air. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But no, this has been fun. I agree. So we really appreciate you being able to sort of join us here and, and, and do this. And a great chat with both Jill and Allison there, Shook Flastan, Shook Flastan.
3: I'm not even going to try, but you, you go ahead.
0: <laughs> Shook Flastan. I like, I love the idea and I'm definitely somebody who would steal ideas and try to make them my own, but I, I don't think I could come up with a country because I'm like that weird person who is just like, no, I just want to be from a real country. I like a fake country. Don't get me wrong. But like, I, I don't know. Like, well, we're, 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 I don't even know where I'd put it in the world. I'd probably just somewhere in North America. Like I'd cut you guys I mean, it's in a, half. It's a stand. A stand. What them? No, I'm talking about us. What we would? Oh, do. what
3: our country is going to be? Yeah,
0: like I, I would like. I don't know. Cut out like a couple of the Dakotas, a bit of like Manitoba <laughs> or something, and just plonk something in the middle. And um, I don't know. Be
3: Saskatchewan. like Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah, but yeah. let's just take over Saskatchewan. We'll make
0: it Jared. Catch you on. The United Provinces of Lubeck. Um, yes. We well, are yeah, the UPL. Uh, <laughs> sounds wrong. It sounds like something you catch off a toilet seat. Um, great <laughs> chat there with Jill and Alison. Seri- like, I'm not even saying this to suck up. They're not even on the fucking line. I swore. Sorry. I wasn't allowed to swear on that version, but I can swear now. It's our show. Fuck yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> If you're listening to us from uh, Keep the Flame Alive, naughty words on this show. Um, In all seriousness, I don't know how we won the award and they didn't.
3: Um, yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> I, I was fully prepared when we did that acceptance that I got cut out of <laughs> during the ceremony to be like, "This is a moonlight thing." Oh, by the way, keep the flame alive.
0: You guys won. <laughs> yeah. We're La <la-la> La Land. Like <laughs> we just say, you did like you got cut off with a bad internet. That wasn't just like let's go. Yeah, ah, exactly. Fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, let's cut this guy out. Ugh. Yeah, but no, it was a lot of fun chatting to 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 Jill and Allison, and and like we sort of. We had a bit of it, like, this is something, like, let's share behind-the-scenes stories. We don't really do a run sheet. I, I have notes, which I write, but I don't share them with Colin. I'm like, Colin's smart. He's older. He can he can do his own shit. I don't care about him. It's all about me looking good. Who cares about that Canadian? But, like, we had sort of, like, a, a document, a run sheet where we kind of have some points there. And there were some key points that we were going to discuss, which mm-hmm. we didn't discuss. Because one half of us waffles on. Shut up, Colin. So... <laughs> We have then had discussions since to talk about potential other future episodes of things we wanted to talk about. So uh, Mm -hmm. if you enjoy this, potentially another crossover can happen. And also if you enjoy this, listen to keep the flame alive, because again, they're better than us. We (laughs) much like we are the, like we are the Donovan Bailey. We kind of just like got it and we'll probably get stripped from us in a while. And then they're going to get the gold. They're the Carl Lewis, right? That's how it works. Isn't it?
3: But Donovan Bailey didn't get stripped of the gold. <laughs> ben Johnson. Don't you say anything
0: <laughs> bad about Donovan. The other Canadian that won the 100 meters. <laughs> there you go. Apologies to Donovan. Is that our new clothing? Apologies <laughs> to Donovan Bailey. Apologies to Donovan Bailey. <laughs> I-, I think we just found one. Uh, we didn't yeah. ask for their favorite meatloaf song.
3: Oh, well, that's for episode two coming soon.
0: Which can I just say that that uh, episode that that joke is referenced on is in about a month's time. So you're going to finally catch up to this meatloaf <laughs> joke that we've mentioned a few times. But, um, oh, man, can we start again? Can we just get them like right on the line right now? Get back on line now. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Anyway, but uh, no, listen to them, keep the flame alive, all that sort of stuff. Great. Um, we have some great episodes coming your way. We're very close to our 300th episode, So guess what that means? Clip show time! Very, very soon, yippee. Which, do you actually ever listen to the clip shows at all? Because I don't think you listen to all of our I mean, episodes, do you?
3: No, I mean, I, I I try to listen to as many of the interviews as I can, but uh, the clip shows are a good chance to catch up on them. So I do listen to the clip shows.
0: Oh, look at you. We do have a listener. Look at that. That's, I'm the one. That's why we win awards. Um, But in the uh, coming weeks, I'll give you a bit of a, a taste of what we've got on the show, if you like. I believe you're on the next episode anyway, because I think we've got a rower coming up to to talk about. So uh, Olympic gold medal. Was I on a
3: rowing interview? (laughs) This is how
0: long ago we (laughs) do. Like, was I on that one? Uh, Yes, you were. Suzanne Granger, Olympic gold medal winning rower. Um, was I on that one? Um, you were. I'm going to have to listen to another Clip Show and find out. <laughs> I think we did that like six months ago. It something like ridiculous. So, like no word of a lie. Like these are literally episodes that we do so far ago, long ago, that I actually don't think I've recorded an interview maybe in about four months. So it's been a while since. But you're hearing them two a week at the moment. Uh, then we are going to Moguls, an episode that Colin wasn't on. Oh, an Australian yeah. Mogul. Uh, skier there. Then uh, iconic Tasmanian athlete who was very famous during Tokyo and I've got to say I'm gonna to have to go and sort of rejig the intro and the outro because since we did that episode he's retired so he just retired like two weeks ago so uh might have to do a bit of context on that one and then uh just before we get towards our 300th episode which are obviously very very exciting one an interview that you weren't on but I think you were a bit sad that you missed on that one a Canadian legend who did not only short track speed skating, but long track speed skating and was very successful in both. So that is a nice little tease. So uh, there are a few in the coming weeks that you will hear. Suzanne Granger will be next. And I know Colin is thrilled to hear his own voice on that one again. (laughs) Yes. Because he was on it, doesn't remember it. So I wonder if Suzanne remembers being on it. I don't know.
3: I guarantee she doesn't. She I love thought it. she was on Keep the Flame Alive. <laughs> I mean, that's half
0: the guess, right? Evan she's Dunphy. Been
3: waiting for, she's been waiting for that episode to
0: drop. When's that Keep the Flame Alive interview happening? Evan dumpy every time he came on this show, was like, "Hey, you going, girls? Allison, Jill, good to see you. <laughs> Fuck you not man. <laughs> Who are what you? What happened? Jesus, what happened to you? And you're Australian now. Wow, didn't even know you could get that done. Uh, like, subscribe, do all the things that we want you to do. Vote in the sports podcast world. I think voting's open. You can't vote for us. They took away our category, but we are still undefeated, the champions of the world. Um, Listen to our other shows if you like James Bond and shit. It's good. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, that's it. Shout out to the Birmingham Bull, as always. Uh, Apologies to Donovan Bailey. (laughs) And, Colin, thank you for your time.
3: Thank you. And thank you, Donovan Bailey, for being clean and fast.
0: Exactly. Uh, shout out to Jason Momoa as well. I think that joke died, but whatever. We like to relive things here for whatever reasons. My name is Ben. It's been off the podium. And remember, too, a go, a left.
1: When the
0: stars make it through, just like
2: some water when you dance down the street With the cloud at your feet You're in love.
0: When you walk in a dream But you know you're not dreaming senor.
2: But you see back in old Napoli, that's amore,
0: amore, that's amore.